welcome to Give Him Hell, Bring Him. Jeff, we are a week away from camp starting, and you've got a headline here that you say this should be the new normal. And the headline, and this apparently happened in New York, which makes sense because it's related to pizza. And like many things, America took something that was great and invented by another country, and we took it and made it our own and made it better. And so that's why we took and we invented New York style pizza. And it's basically the only good thing to ever come out of the state of New York besides Joseph Smith um, and the Book of Mormon, besides that stuff. But the only good non-religious thing to come out of the state of New York. And, and even then he was born in Vermont. So whatever, I think, right. I don't know. I should, it's been a while since I brushed up on my church history ness. but this headline says pizza delivery guy takes one slice out of box after customer refuses to tip. I love it. I love it. Don't be a dick. Like don't not tip just because you can like these pizza delivery guys are making no money like none and here's the alternative folks because i know that this is what people say right like people say if you don't like working for that get another job okay well there's a lot of people who have and the restaurant industry is getting killed by all of these staffing shortages they can't afford to pay like so they're they're gonna have to figure out how to pay people so that they can attract workers but tips have are, are an integral part of the workforce at a restaurant. You can't just take that away. I get it. You don't like it. If you really don't like it, then make your own pizza. But if you're going to order delivery, just plan on tipping. Until the entire restaurant industry changes, that's what it is going to take. So don't be a dick. Just tip. And this guy, I love it. He took matters into his own hands. Somebody's not tipping him, and who knows why? Maybe he felt that it took too long. Maybe it was cold. I mean, who knows? Could have been any myriad of different reasons, right? We don't know. But the guy refuses to tip. So what does the pizza delivery boy do? He takes a bite, or he takes a slice, not a bite, a full slice of the pizza. I have a confession to make. This this reminds me of a young me. I used to be a bagger. I used to be a bagger at a grocery store. Uh, at Albertsons, back when Albertsons existed in more than just Boise, Idaho. And I would help people out, right? You, you always ask when you're that bagger, hey, do you need help out with this? Now, typically, the people who say yes, it's the elderly women or men. It's the people who have a ton of kids. It's the people who have, uh, you know, some ailment of some kind that is it really, you can tell it's going to be hard so you can kind of predict as a bagger who is and isn't going to say yes and i say that you're you're probably can predict with like 80 percent accuracy that 20 percent where you are surprised typically it's from just guys just like guys who want to be lazy or guys who think they're funny like middle-aged men that are like oh yeah that would, would be great if you help out with that and it it just pisses you off as a 15 year old bagger because you're like dude you are totally capable of doing this by yourself I don't get tipped and it was annoying, right? But that was the job. So you do it. And most of the time people would at least stand out there like by their car, by the trunk, as you're unloading things to have a little small talk, have a conversation, but occasionally, not often, but occasionally you'd get these guys that they would just sit in their car and nothing pissed me off more 
than when totally capable people would just summon me to unload the groceries and then sit in their car as I did it. So I would do a few different things. But the one thing I always did is if somebody went and got into their car while I loaded the groceries into their car for them, when I walked away, I just left the trunk open. That was my my subtle protest of saying, you're an idiot. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to go back into this. Now you got to get out of the car anyways and shut the trunk. I like to do that. As I got older in my uh, bagger career, I got a little bit more petty. I got a little bit more irritated with these people. And I would do things like intentionally put the bread on the bottom. Or if they had hamburger buns, I'd poke finger holes in two of the buns. Is that bad? Of course it was bad, but I was 15. And this is a perfectly capable human being who is asking for help out with their groceries, usually a middle-aged man, and then not even giving the teenager the common courtesy of hanging out at their car with them, just sitting in the car, ready to give them the fingers they drive away. So I'd poke holes in their hamburger buns. That is to me what this New York pizza delivery guy has done. I, I stood up for the baggers around the world. This guy taking a slice out of, uh, out of a pizza after somebody refused to tip he is fighting the good fight for pizza delivery boys everywhere in the world. And I can relate to that. And I respect this man. I, you know, I, I agree with everything that you're saying. And I've also, I was also like a bagger at one point in time. Um, but it was, I was a bagger at target. So we had a little more bougie mm. of a clientele. Yeah. Um, but it really, and it's something that's something that's very different living in the South. So if you ever shop at Publix in the South, it's like the Chick-fil-A of grocery stores. And it's like, they almost get mad at you if you don't let them take your gro- their, your groceries out to your car and load them up for you. But, you know, I think I'm with you there on this. It's especially the pizza guy. It's just, you know, that you are paying for this. You could say like, well, I don't want a tip. They should pay them more. It's like, okay, then they're just going to charge you more for it. Either way, you're going to be paying for it. But at least if you don't tip, like, I don't know. I, if you don't tip, then you're just being cheap, right? Like it's, I, okay. If you go to, to a restaurant and the, I realized this the other day, right? Like if they did get rid of tipping, they're going to raise the prices for everybody. Okay. I can everybody. afford, I can afford to go out to eat and I can afford to like, you know, I can afford to pay the pizza guy a tip. Right. But maybe somewhere there's a family that's like scrounging up some money to, save to be able to order a pizza for their kid's birthday. And that's really like the only thing they can afford. And that's like a big deal for them. And maybe that tipping is actually making, you know, it's making a bigger difference for them, or maybe just people are rude. And sometimes like, you know, people will yell at the delivery guy and he didn't do anything wrong. And they got to deal with a lot of crap because people are jerks. So it's like, it's easier just to embrace the tipping as you know, it's like you are paying it forward and you're making things cheaper for somebody else because you're a nice person and you're just paying for the service. Ultimately, I would like to move. This is something, one of the few things that the United Kingdom does better than the United States is that Whoa. if you go anywhere, if you go to any like restaurant, there's two prices on the menu. There's a takeout price and a sit down price. It's just, if you want to get this to go, we'll box it up for you, hand it for you to go. See you later. If you want service, it's going to cost you like every dish costs like, you know, three pounds more because we got to cover this, the wait staff. And that yeah. should be, there should be a takeout price and a dine-in price. 
or like a, a like you know, and this like add a ten dollar delivery fee or whatever, which is really what it comes down to. But then ultimately, it's like if people said like, "Well, I got to pay ten dollar delivery fee," there would be no pizza drivers really, because it's what we're willing to pay is very weird and psychological. Of like, we're fine with no delivery fee, but then paying a ten dollar tip. But then if they pay, just put in a ten dollar delivery fee, then they would get mad. Yeah, it's weird. Um, but I agree. Just incorporate the tip into the cost of whether the restaurants do it on the menu or not. Mentally, all of us who order food should just have this prepared in our heads. And along these lines, uh, I'm getting ready to move. We all know this. I've been building a house. So here in the next month or two, I'm going to be moving. And, and I recognize that I might be alienating some of our our listenership with this comment but movers should just be part of the moving not part of like the sales price of a home but it should just be part of the cost of moving like a tip for a delivery guy everybody who is moving if you're not going to do it by yourself and you can't rally the uh the help with your you know brothers and sisters and parents or neighbors or whatever, then everybody should just be expected to pay for movers. It should just be part of the, of the cost. Basically, Garrett, what I'm saying here is that the elders quorum and moving should be reserved for those who need the help out with their groceries, not for everybody. So yes, I have big thoughts on this. Um, and I have thought about this a lot is different move so if you are moving in and you do not know anybody and you are not like you are moving from out of town you do not know anybody and you are not getting a relocation package from your employer yes by all means call the bishop figure out who the elders corn president is ask and they say okay we will help you unload stuff into the boxes tell us when to be there whatever if you are moving out of the ward you don't get to call the elders corn president and say hey i need people you have been there you have friends, you know people, you have access to the ward directory, you can call and ask people personally, you can ask your coworkers, you can ask friends, you can ask your friends' parents, you can ask your family. If you are in Utah, there is no reason, unless you are an immigrant from another country who is showing up for the first time, and even then, you probably know a lot of RMs who served in your mission in your home country that you can call up. But if you are in Utah, there's zero reason to ever, ever, ever do it because you know, people, you can call people, even if I you're agree. moving, even if you're moving, like, you know, if you're moving from Orem to Salt Lake or wherever up to Bountiful Ogden, you know, people who can take an afternoon and come well, down and do it. And do you remember, if, do you remember well, the I'm episode? Not of, I'm not. Oh, done. well, I, I just, the, I'm interjecting because okay. you're getting, you're getting wrinkles in your forehead. You're starting to get a little, I, just, I have up. one more very big thing. All right. I'm ready. Really Go bike. ahead. Okay. Go ahead. If you call, you are a terrible person and abusing the goodwill of others. If you have a relocation package or like you are in the military and when they pay for all your moves and your company says, oh, well, you can either hire movers or we'll give you cash. If you take the cash and then call and beg the elders quorum to come move you, that pisses me off. Like that is yeah, no go bad. from me. And I severely judge you. That's like number two on the judgment list for me behind number one is if you have a car payment for a new truck, but you don't have life insurance and you have kids, you are a horrible parent and a horrible father. That is like, that's my, that's my number one judgment is like, you're rolling around in a new $40,000 F-150 
and you're paying 1200 bucks a month on your 96 month lease, whatever. And you can't fork out the 30 bucks a month to take care of your family. If you get in a car accident, like that one that happened last weekend and left I behind. I, I did not know this is where we were headed. And now we're here. I, now I don't even remember what I was interjecting with. I, I, he got us I'm on sorry. this life insurance thing and, and I'm, I'm lost now. So no, get your my, life my, folks. it should just be part of the move though. Right. Like, I, I don't know, man, it's, it's really frustrating moving. It's like that Seinfeld episode. This is what I was going to say where, where Jerry meets Keith Hernandez. Remember this one? And Keith Hernandez is going to ask him move, ask him to help him move. And Kramer's like, what? You just met this guy. And he's asking to asking for your help and moving. And Jerry says this, he's like, Moving is the equivalent of sex in a male relationship. Like, it's a big deal. Now, think of this. Think of this. We just get, I get a, a text once a week just to all of the elders quorum saying, hey, such and such family that I don't know who they are. Usually they aren't very active. And if, because if they are, I, I at least know who they are. Such and such families moving out, they've asked for help. If you take the severity that Jerry took and say that, that that moving is the equivalent of sex in a male relationship, we're just getting solicited all the time as the elders quorum. We're just a bunch of moving hookers. And and I can't I can't stand for it. We have another random story before we get into the goods this week. Uh, a dog. This is Japan. Japan's going through a rough time right now. Uh, the Olympians are sleeping on a cardboard bed frame. I mean, there's there's a lot of weird stuff in Japan. To add to the weird stuff, a light pole fell down, just collapsed in the middle of the day. A traffic light pole. It was only 23 years old, and they have an expected 50 year lifespan. But typically, they go even longer than 50 years. So why? Did this pole just fall over? Well, scientists figured it out. Dogs peed on this pole so much that it deteriorated whatever it is, the stainless steel, the titanium, whatever metal it is that they used for this pole, that this dog pee over and over and over again over the course of its 23-year life ate through the metal, caused it to rust, thus allowing the pole to just fall over. What? That is some powerful pee. I'm so, like, I need a scientist to explain this to me. Is this like, you know, when a dog pees on the grass and it kills the grass, but this was like bionic piss that was melting light bulbs? A melting, a steel pole. That's what it, it is. Police believe it's highly possible that urea and salt in dog urine eroded the six and a half meter tall steel pole. This isn't like a little tiny stop sign in your neighborhood. Six and a half meters is huge. This was a mega pole and dog pee. They have a picture of it here. The bottom of the traffic pole, the, it's, it, it's like a clean cut. It's just totally rusted out. Oh, yeah. Dog pee, which is just fascinating to me. That's wild. Um, and we we actually discussed before. This is going to be a very horrible transition, um, but we'll get to this point in our agenda. We discussed before the show that we were going to parlay the pizza delivery 
into oh yeah i ruined about this Zach for Wilson's you. contract and then we start talking about moving and life insurance and judging judging other people but yeah this is something that's been going around today and so zach wilson has not signed his contract he is not going to be there in um camp yet because he is waiting um well really he's wanting to uh, get the offset language pulled out of his contract because Trevor Lawrence got the offset language. Um, I believe Trey Lance also did correct me if I'm wrong. You are. That. And so what the offset language means is basically if he gets cut, um, uh, if he gets cut, then, and another team signs him, the other team, whatever they pay him will go towards the guarantee. So if he signs a $30 million contract, they pay him out $25 million. He gets cut after three seasons. And that last year of his four-year guarantee, another team signs him for $2 million. The Jets would only owe him $3 million because really they're on the books of owing him for $5 million, but the other team's going to be paying two of it. So that's, that's what the offset language means. Now, this is, uh, I saw some uh, people who are fans of another team in the state of Utah who are for some reason obsessed um, well, I know why they're obsessed with Zach Wilson because they screwed it up and he should have been there and they will forever regret that. Um, but they were saying, you know, saying it like, oh, he's being a diva. Okay. So one, the guy in front of him and the guy behind him, neither of them have this language in their contract. It is a potentially multi-million dollar decision. You know, if the jets are a flop, like you're looking at a situation like with Sam Darnold, right? Like it's, if the jets are a flop and he gets cut or he moves away or demands a trade or something, whatever. And the money is coming. Like it, well, it may not be any fault of his own. It could be a situational thing where he still thinks like I can get a shot and then he goes somewhere else. Yeah. And now like, okay, if this team's willing to pay him $10 million. Okay. But he's actually only going to be making $5 million if the team, you know, says they want to pay him, they're willing to pay him 10. And so it's and so, the so Jets are not the only team he, that do this. It's only if he gets cut, right? So if because if he gets traded, then whoever is receiving that assumes that contract responsibility. So it's if he gets cut. And, and what makes it interesting is okay, yeah, if you straight get cut by the Jets, you may not get another chance, period, right? And if you do, you might be coming in at a vet minimum type of a deal. And so this is just, yeah, he's trying to secure as much money as he can in the event his NFL career doesn't pan out and he's got four to five years to make money. Like that's what this is. And, and I get it. And I think it's also kind of a pride thing. Uh, and I, I don't mean that like, to say that it's in like a vain way, but Hey, the number one pick got it. The number three pick caught it. He could have gone to either one of those two places and not had to worry about this at all. He's in New York. He's playing, paying crazy New York state income taxes. So why can't he have the same thing that the two quarterbacks who were picked on either side of him got? It, it, it just seems fair, right? It, it just right. seems fair. So I'm sure that it's a pride thing. And we don't know much about his agency, but we know that every dollar matters to them. Because if it didn't, we would probably still be selling Z-A-C-H, Zach, Zach, Zach shirts on GiveEmHellBreakEm.com. We had only sold, I think, four of those shirts, and three of them, I think, went to my house. But they were really upset about it, and so they, they took the time to tell us to stop it. So every dollar matters to this agency. 
the one thing I really take exception with in all of the Twitter fodder that I've seen this morning is that blaming Zach for being a diva. I don't think people realize how much say, especially when you get into a first round draft pick, how much say an agent has. They have a ton. And Zach doesn't know. You know, like Zach's never signed a, a multi-million dollar contract before. That agent is his best resource. Zach wants to play football. He's a 20-year-old kid. Like the dude just wants to play football. But the agent, those around him, like whoever, they're the ones who are advising and helping a 20-year-old kid through this process. If it were up to Zach, he would have just said, let me play football. But people put these agents and they put all these advisors around a player, a 20-year-old kid who just got drafted, to protect them from shit like this because billionaire owners of teams are going to try and nickel and dime their players and keep as much money as they can. That's why there's an NFL players union. That's why there's all of these guaranteed contracts. That's it. So what he is doing is he is just exercising his right as a player. If you don't like that, then fix the system. The NFL, like Zach could get torn in half and cut and potentially lose millions of dollars because the offensive line isn't good because he got whatever, right? Any myriad of different reasons. So come on guys. Like there is nothing wrong with going out and trying to get paid. Now, if this holdout were to last into the season, okay, then maybe we start to wonder what's really happening. But if we're talking about missing the first few days of practice, well, Zach, Zach or Sam Darnold did the same thing when he was drafted by the jets five years ago. And this is not a normal th- or this is not an abnormal thing for the Jets. Nobody thought Marcus Mariota was a diva. I mean, Joey Bosa had a long one. He didn't sign till like the end of August and still nobody, nobody cared right. or thought about that. Right. Nope. And so um, it's only because Zach Wilson's mom made headlines and Utah fans are weird. And we love you, Utah fans. We do. We know there's some of you who listen. We hope you continue to listen, but the Utah fans who have this vendetta against Zach, you guys can pound sand. We don't care if you ever listen again. No, in fact, it's, it's a weird vendetta. Just get over it. Yeah, it's time to move on. Um, and speaking of moving on, we are moving beyond our scope of just a mm. podcast. And we we talked about this last week, and we launched it yesterday. Um, we, or I guess we launched it on Monday. That's some things. So give them hell, Brigham is now a newsletter. Okay, there are, uh, we have some offerings available. So we put out our, our planned cadence is a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, so three a week. And then once we're going to keep running that all through August, and then we will start flipping on the um, having certain ones just for paid subscribers. Um, and once the season starts in September, um, so we will go and probably alternate um, paid free, paid free. Um, so either way, you'll be getting three every two weeks if you are free or you know three additional ones every two weeks if you are a paid subscriber and uh, so you can sign up um, I do need to figure out on the website if you go to sign up if you just type in your email and hit subscribe it will sign you up for the free one and not actually for the paid one um, and so I need to figure out getting that to pop up instead um, and just give you the option to make it easier for you to give us money because that's really what we're here to do right we want to make it easier for you to give us money so that way we can get the players money it's a whole new world with NIL and all these things. And we, we want to be able to support them. And so we have a couple of newsletters out. Um, you wrote about autonomy yesterday, which we're going to talk about today. And we also talked today, we posted about this ridiculous guy who was saying, went on this huge 
tyrant, like this huge rant about pickup trucks and how worthless they are and nobody should ever buy a truck and was just completely out of touch. And we did relate that back to the big 12 and where the things stand today with them and why they need BYU. Um, but we also, we have our discord server set up. Uh, Jeff, can you explain what discord is for the young Discord? Well, I mean, discord started as like, it was like Slack for nerds. Like it was originally mostly gamers who were using discord. Yeah. It's now kind of developed into the real competitor for Slack. And it's like the non-professional Slack. I, I'm sure that there are companies who use Discord, and I'm sure that there are non-companies who use Slack. So it's not a blanket rule all the time. But Discord is a lot like Slack in that there are servers and channels and various things that can be set up to where you're basically having a group text forever with whoever is on the, the, that specific channel. Uh, this is really going to give... Well, really, I mean, it's going to give all of us a way to connect with one another, right? And so it gives subscribers a way to connect with us, to ask questions, to, you know, really get some of that old school chat feeling, but also a way for us to just build a community outside of the internet. It's, it, you know, it's subscriber only, so it's not, I guess it's not outside of the internet, but outside of the public world. Uh, and it's yeah. a way for us to just build a community of BYU fans. Right. And so we are, anyone can join, um, anyone can join the discord server. Um, and then we will have separate channels within that, that are only for our paid subscribers. Um, and that's where we will have, um, you know, that's where we will have like our weekly Q and a, um, other planned benefits that we have, we're going to have like monthly zoom calls, or we can do them on discord as well, but discord is great because you can download the app. You have a chat room everywhere you go. It's very easy to do use, um, and we'll have monthly Zoom calls. We're going to have uh, extra podcasts. And so we did put a bonus episode out today um, that we are going to, you know, we want to talk about here with Ron Barker. Um, and Ron was the head of compliance for the Pac-12 for 20 years. And he shared some interesting things. And that is, is probably my favorite interview that we've done uh, on the show so far. And by putting things slightly behind a paywall, not it creates more of a premium fear where people will be more willing and comfortable to come talk to us about different things because if they are on like they know that it's to an exclusive group and that it's not going to be spread mm -hmm. everywhere like obviously people will talk and people will share things whatever but it does it does allow us it's like consulting right like if you need a consultant or a contractor like you want to find a good price but you're not going to go with someone who's like seven times cheaper than everybody else, right? Like at some point you question, you're like, wait a minute, why are they so much cheaper than everything else? This doesn't make sense. Like they've got to be skimping on something or this is a rinky dink operation or whatever. So turning this into having a paid option for this really allows us to not only grow the brand and honestly, we put a lot of time into this and a lot of effort and there are costs with running a website and maintaining the podcast and the equipment we have purchased and all of those things. So to be able to recoup some of that, but also it does legitimize us as we reach out to, um, as we reach out to people and ask them to come join us on the show. It'll be good. I mean, it's going to be good. And this is just one of a number of different things that we've got planned. We're going to have some zoom meetings. We're going to have some get togethers in, in various places. If we can, we're going to do a lot of stuff to really build a community. And that's what's so cool about what we're doing with Give Them Hell, Brigham, right? We're not a blog. 
This is not just a news repository of where you're going to find stuff. I, I was I was asked, somebody was talking to me about the difference between Cougar Sports Insider and Give Them Hell Brigham. Um, what, why? What, what is the difference and why should I pay attention? And here's the thing. A lot of people don't like Barstool Sports. And a lot of people don't like Pardon My Take, their flagship podcast. They have a million podcasts. This is their biggest one. But this is probably the best way to illustrate the difference. So Colin Morikawa won the British Open last week, two weeks ago, whenever that was. And on the Monday after, ESPN went into his game, right? They talked about the shots that won in the tournament, the things that had to happen, everybody else who fell off the radar, blah, 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 blah. The same golf stuff that you could have heard during the tournament, the same golf stuff that you watched with your own eyes, and the same golf stuff that every sports outlet who was covering the British Open was going to cover all day Monday. Pardon my take, interviewed Colin Morikawa, and they talked about how he chose to fly commercial on the way home instead of in a private jet, how he put the claret jug in his bag and had to actually put it on the plane as a carry-on and the overhead storage like they just talked about different stuff it was still covering golf they still talked about and talked to the winner of the tournament but they did it in a completely different way and that's the difference right csi will continue to be where the news is but gehb is going to be where the conversation about the news is and that's the difference. We're going we're gonna to really dump in all the news over to CSI like we always have. That's not going to change. But we're going to talk and we're going to speculate and we're going we're gonna to get into way different stuff on GHB. And it's going to be what I think is so cool about it. And I realize it's cool. I'm sitting here talking about our own creation, like how cool it is. But what I think is so cool about it is that this does not exist in the BYU fan world right now. We could have started another blog. There's a billion blogs. There's a billion KSLs. There's like everybody's trying to cover the same stories in the same way and just compete for clicks. It's tough to do. And it gets redundant and it feels monotonous. Give them hell, Brigham. We're going to be able to do things however we want in a very different way. And we think it's going to be incredibly valuable for everybody. Uh, I'm really excited about it, man. I'm excited and I'm sure it'll be iterative and be a work in progress. And I know we've been kind of droning on about this, but we just, this is kind of the first time that we've really shared the vision of where we see this going of being kind of a very niche community of, you know, being something different than what everyone else is providing. Um, and so with that, again, go check out givemhellbringham.com and sign up for the newsletter. Uh, shoot us a message if you have any questions. It seems like everything is running smoothly so far, but I did this all myself. Um, we, we bootstrapped it and I set it up myself instead of using a paid service that would manage the platform for us. So there's probably going to be some bumps and bruises along the way, uh, where we fall off the wagon a bit and have to get things back on track. Um, so with that, Jeff, let's turn to the remainder of our agenda. I'm ready. Texas and OU. I'm ready. Gone. They're gone. It's they're done. gone and they're not coming back. And I just want to preface this topic. Uh, the odds that Texas and Oklahoma stick in the Big 12 until 2025 are about the same as the odds are that I choose to go vegan. Like, could it happen? Sure, it could happen. But is it going to happen? No, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I, it's, there's no way it's going to happen. So the latest reported rumor 
on this is in the, so if you really think about this there's espn and fox being the main power brokers and you know they are the ones who have the big 12s first and second tier media rights and it really goes back to like the third tier media rights so this all started the instability from the in the big 12 comes from the third tier media rights where you look at you know there's the acc network there's the sec network the big 10 network and the pac-12 network hell there was even the mountain west the mountain was a thing back in the day Right. How how innovative and, was that? Like, what a crappy execution of what proved to be a very innovative. Right. I mean, that's basically Craig Thompson's entire resume. Um, <laughs> so, the Big Twelve, though, their third tier rights, they didn't have a Big Twelve network. Every school was for themselves, and so that's where the Longhorn Network came in. And I heard some rumors that once upon a time, the Longhorn Network was going to be the Lone Star Network, and it was going to be featuring both A&M and Texas. And they were also going to do like high school games and stuff. But A&M was like, no, we do not want nothing to do with Texas, like whatever. And so then it became the Longhorn Network. And so ESPN was paying all this money to Texas for that. So now ESPN is on the bill, on the like has the bill for the Longhorn Network. And then the between them and Fox, the 38 or whatever million dollars a year that they're currently paying to the big 12 schools or the the 10 big 12 schools. So it's cheaper instead of paying $38 million a year times 10, which is if you're good at math, $380 million a year, you you. can turn around and say, okay, well come to the sec. We will pay everybody in the sec $15 million or $50 million. And then instead of paying like, I don't know, $700 $700 million a year between the two, we can cut that down to only be paying like $400 million or whatever. Well, no, 68, you know, you get what I'm saying. I I'm, can't pull numbers out of here, but it's, it's going to, if the big 12 completely implodes, it saves them money. And because they were so much overpaying to keep Texas and Oklahoma happy. So now there's incentive and Dennis Dodd wrote about it, that some industry experts are you know saying like, okay, the remaining eight schools, they are looking at potentially a TV deal of like $9 million a year. So there's all the incentive like for ESPN to kind of nudge this along. And so it will be interesting to see what happens because I think we talked about this. There's a rude awakening. I got to find, where did I send this to you? The other on Monday said, we want to talk about, I was looking on the Reddit CFB and some Oklahoma state fan said, our seven friends and my Cowboys better be looking elsewhere, staying in this dying conference. And you'll be left behind for decades, at least football wise. It's like, that is why Texas and Oklahoma are leaving because you guys are not, you're not doing anything. And it's really funny to say, like, when you look at it, because you're, you know, you look at it, you're like, okay, well, you guys are only without them. You are only worth $9 million a year each average, right? So you take eight times nine, that's 72 million versus the 380 million. That's the difference. Like that is the gulf that Texas and Oklahoma were making up. And so it's like, I can't blame them for wanting to sit there either. And but now if you look at, you know, and I, uh, I just put this out, you can look on um, my Twitter account, um, I put a couple of things together. And there's, you know, if you look at a compared, like, kind of the six names that I floated out last week, and so of BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, Memphis, Houston, and then either like Boise or SMU, doesn't matter, just get six, go to 14. The Big 12 already owns the trademark for the Big 14. That's why the Big 10 is still the Big 10, even though they have 14 members. And for the last four years, uh, those new six teams have on average had a better SP plus score than the remaining eight teams. Even if you take out Kansas, even if you take Kansas out from bogging down the rest of them, these new teams are still better. And if you look at that league, 
that league would be really that league would be up there uh with well I mean, look, there, there'd be a clear gap right like it's i can send you i can send you this picture right now and you know there would be between the next highest i mean and there'd be years where it would not be the worst but really it's the sec and then it's kind of a lot of jumble really close like you know between it's the sec a little drop to the big 10 but then between the pac-12 that new look big 14 and the acc it's a lot of, you know, it's flipping back close. and forth. It's really close. And then there's a monumental gulf between them and what would be the remainder of the ACC. And so if you look at right, right now, the, AC, the AAC deal is getting $7 million a year. That's like their deal right now. And that is a deal that they signed. The league has grown in profile since then. And if you're picking off the top half of that, you're really basically combining. You're really, by taking BYU and five, if you took SMU yeah. instead of Boise, taking the five biggest brands in the AAC dump the other six and you put them with the bigger brands of, you know, relatively the remaining eight schools in the big 12 are all bigger and better brands than those other six schools. Maybe, maybe just because they're an Academy, whatever you're going to end up with a good conference. And that's going to probably get in the 15 to 20 million a year range. Is it the same as what, you know, the sec and the big 10 are getting, no, but at this point you got to fight to stay middle-class, right? Like it's not, it's right now it's the sec, then the big 10, and then there's everybody else. And it's, you got to do what you can. And honestly, with a 12 team expanded playoff, which I still think is going to happen is going to like, you get in there and you win some games and you start building around, like, it's not going to happen overnight, but if you win, that fixes all your problems. Right. And it's like, look at what winning has done in terms of elevating the profile of the AAC over the last decade. And you just keep doing that, take care of business. And I don't think the 12 team playoff is going to go away. I know the pack 12, 10, 12, whatever um, pack 12 said that they were like still iffy on it, but that's been in the works for over a year. And so is this OU Texas move. And Greg Sankey has been behind all of it because you know what, maybe the big 12, loses its thing so maybe they drop the thing and say oh well we're only going to have five auto bids and seven at large things like five champions no guarantees just five champions the that big 12 champion would still be that fifth champion fifth or right four, there they would be there you know the same way you're talking about the aac now it would still be there right but you're getting more money and so you're getting into it and i think and by doing adding texas and ou you know the sec knows that this is probably with that 12 team playoff, especially if they move it to seven at large bids. You're going to be talking about four SEC teams every year. And that's at a least. lot of money to them. Yeah, at least. Here's here's my thing. Um, whatever be what I've had a, a, a you know, take a take of the time to really think about this over the last week. And what I have concluded one, independence isn't that bad. Independence might still be the best option. There is not conclusive evidence one way or the other that makes this a very clear-cut decision for me. Joining the remnants of the Big 12, yeah, maybe you get that P5 moniker for the next couple of years. Um, the Athletic reported today that they will get to keep all of their bowl tie-ins. They'll still be the autonomous five, so a sugar bowl bit. So that's great. So they still get that through 2025, which there's value there. No question about it. There is value there. But there's also value in, in BYU's independence, right? The 2020 season is evidence that hey, uh, being able to call our own shots really paid off for BYU. And, and now 2020 is a very weird year, although 2021 and the way things are trending might be just as weird. Uh, and, and so maybe maybe that, uh, that autonomy or that ability to do whatever you want, maybe that doesn't ultimately 
weigh the same or count as much as those autonomous five bull tie-ins or whatever, right? We don't know. All I, all I know is that I could make an argument that independence is better than the big 12 light. And I could make an argument that says just the opposite. I don't know what the answer is, but here's what I've come to the conclusion is I've thought about this over the last week. And really today, as I have kind of honed in and kind of knowing that we were going to be recording the show, then preparing what my thoughts really were, BYU needs to do whatever they can to just become a football brand. That sounds super easy and obvious, but 2020, what did it do? We talked about this several weeks ago, that that was maybe the first year since Luke Staley that BYU has had a season where they have gained fans. That they, they haven't lost fans in 20 years. Maybe they have. Maybe some have defected to Utah or whatever, right? Whatever. But that was a year that the casual college football player was watching Zach Wilson, was watching that offense, and they loved what BYU had to do. They loved BYU for that reason. People started paying attention to BYU. Didn't matter who they were playing. Didn't matter what people thought of independence or whatever. BYU was winning games. They were playing a fun brand of football, and they became a bigger football brand than they were when the season started. BYU needs to do whatever makes them the most appealing football brand. So if you take a, a, a big wide lens if you look at the history of BYU football when were they the most exciting brand when they were in the whack right like in the 80s and early 90s like that was when BYU football was BYU football and everybody who liked offense liked BYU because right. they were the innovative fun offense now that doesn't mean that BYU has to go and be BYU of old like that that's unrealistic and unattainable but BYU in this new big 12 that's a lot of really fun football schools. That could be a really, really entertaining brand of football that is played. And if BYU is able to have sustainable, I don't know, winning in that league for the next four or five years, maybe they get picked up in the next wave when the inevitable power two comes, because that's where this is all headed is there's going to be an East and a West or a North and a South. And there's going to be two divisions of football. Like that's just what's going to happen. And I think everybody needs to prepare themselves for that. So when that happens, BYU has got to be swooped up and they are what they are, right? BYU is what they are in terms of TV eyeballs, TV market. Everybody knows the value. Some value it more than others, but everybody knows roughly what BYU brings to the table. That's not going to change much over the next four years, no matter whether they're independent or in this Big 12 or in the American or anywhere else. That's, that's really not going to change much. But what can change is the brand of football that they play and the reputation that they have going into that wave of realignment. There is one reason and one reason only that Boise State is even mentioned in any realignment talks. Now, obviously, they're still in the Mountain West. Obviously, they're not a sure fit into anywhere. But the only reason that anybody even talks about Boise State is because they play a brand of football that is fun as hell to watch. And they have for 20 years. That's the only thing BYU can control in the next four years. They have to play an exciting brand of football, hope that it pulls in more BYU fans. So that in 2025, when things really go crazy, they can be one of the teams that's swooped up. Yep. 
And, you know, we talked about when we were saying the kind of $9 million number for the remaining, like you really look at it once you rip out and there was a comparison. If you look at the top games in the AAC, they get more TV numbers, like more people care about watching Cincinnati play UCF than they do watching, um, you know, Texas Tech and Kansas State. Right. And so there's kind of the national appeal of it because, you know, in terms of the school's location, you know, the amount of fun around it, you know, you kind of really appreciate the position that BYU is in where there are really very few schools in the modern day, right, that can can actually go out and be independent the way BYU is being independent. You know, in the 80s, there were 30 independent I mean, programs. it was different though, right? There was no TV money wasn't a thing. Right. When the TV money became a thing, that's when everyone went to conferences. That's when Conference USA formed. That's when the Big East uh, added football. I mean, even in basketball, the University of Miami, they joined the Big East as all sports members. Before that, they were independent in both football and basketball and just doing their own thing. And it's like, you find games, you go, you be good. You get into a tourney or a good bowl game because of your brand. And it's all about you, right? And we talked about that, but and we talked about that last week with Notre Dame and Notre Dame can do that. USC can do that. Oregon could do that. Texas and Oklahoma, if they wanted to, could do that. Alabama, Auburn, Florida, they could do that. But after that, that list gets real short of who can manage to do that. And BYU being supported at the level it is, like if you look on Baylor's website, they're going to sell out. They're limiting ticket sales for the BYU game, but not for Texas and Oklahoma. Um, and so when you, it really the last spare me the argument that that's happening because it's freaking homecoming. Uh, I don't know if you listen, Connor McAnalytics, but spare me that argument. Yeah. I, I saw this Twitter conversation you were having today where you, you posted that graphic and said the same thing. And somebody responded like, well, it's homecoming. You can't discount that. Uh, yes, I absolutely can. Well, it's homecoming, a factor. It's, but homecoming weighted against Texas and Oklahoma, especially when Texas is not that far from Waco and with how many alumni there are, like right. it still would be people are going to drive from Austin to Waco or, you know, the fact of homecoming, like Baylor, how many Baylor grads are there spread out all the country? They're mostly going to be in Dallas some in Houston, like it's, they're very focused in Texas no, and people just the, go yeah. like, it's not the homecoming thing. And it's a non-factor and I didn't mean to cut you off, but that but, was a, that was, that was a bad, bad counterpoint. Yes, I agree. Um, the we one do thing have that we, the one thing we though. haven't talked about, hold on before the breaking news, which I don't even know the one thing that has to be weighed. And I haven't seen very many BYU fans talking about this is the value of ESPN in your back pocket. If BYU joins the Big 12, they could potentially be saying, okay, we're going to align ourselves with Fox, right? Or at least half of ourselves with Fox. Or we're aligning ourselves with a conference. We're no longer buddy-buddy with ESPN. I don't know what the value of that, that relationship is, but I know that ESPN is good to have in your corner. And we haven't talked about what joining a conference could potentially do to that relationship. Maybe it's no impact, but there could be significant impact that leaves BYU without a very, very loud and valuable partner down the road. Yeah. Um, and so that, that is something that is a factor to keep as part of this. Um, and speaking, this is actually is a good segue into our breaking news. Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports 
reporting breaking the big 12 has sent a cease and desist letter to espn the letter demands espn and all quote all actions that may harm the conference and its members and that it not communicate with the big 12 conferences existing members or any ncaa conference regarding the big 12 conferences members possible conference realignment or potential financial incentive or outcomes related to possible conference realignment end quote well there you go so i here's what needs to happen the those list of the teams I gave and really just go take BYU, the top five brands in the AAC, go to 14, invite them. And then also invite Bob Bowlesby to exit stage left and also bring invite Mike Oresco from the AAC to be the new commissioner of the big 12. And this ship will be righted and it will be fine and it will be stable. And I think, you know, some people are like, Oh, we'll be stable. Like the old, like the big East was. And it's like, well, I mean the big East, it wasn't that the big East wasn't unstable. It was just that the ACC had more and the ACC just basically said, we want to merge without merging. Right. And so that's where that went. And a lot, all those teams in the, you know, in the big East, they all came together as football playing members because they were like, well, we need to make a conference. So we're all independent. Let's just get in together. Whereas if you're looking at this and it's, I mean, I guess with these, if you're talking about this, uh, in the ACC or yeah, in the ACC, most of them started in conference USA, which is similar, but they've got another decade now. Like you're talking about 25 years together. Right. And so you're looking at like TCU, Baylor, SMU, Houston, they've all been in the Southwest conference forever. And then TCU was in conference USA with Cincinnati and they were in conference USA with Houston still. And, um, and then they were, you know, and then also looking, you know, they were in the Mountain West with BYU. You've had all those schools together. You've had UCF be in both Conference USA with all of those school, you know, with when Cincinnati left to the Big East, they, you know, UCF and SMU were put two of the schools that they brought in to backfill. And it's like those schools have all been together and know each other. And this is like moving as a block. It's not like this isn't pulling random schools to make things work. And so I don't think that would be an issue, but uh, if you're sending cease and desist letters to the people that pay your bills and keep the doors open when you're concerned about losing $30 million a year of TV money, and then you tell your TV provider to F off, that's not going to work out well for you. What a weird move. Why would you do that? Like, I, I get it, but like, why would you do that? I mean, it kind of, if the thing is, is so supposedly if ESPN is buying out the Longhorn Network and then Texas is going to pay Oklahoma's exit fee. That's the supposed thing is like, that's where the money to buy it out is going to come from is the right. the end the Longhorn network ESPN is going to say, okay, well, we'll give you $175 million to break off and we're going to kill the Longhorn network. Okay. And then Texas turns around and gives half of that to Oklahoma and they give the whole thing to the big 12 clean split, whatever. And now if you can blow up the rest of the or but if you can get the whole big 12 to start fighting and the whole conference dissolves, then you, they don't have to pay anybody. Even if they, if the AAC picks off big 12 schools instead of the other way around, then Texas and Oklahoma don't have to pay a cent if they get below a threshold number of teams in the big 12, because the big 12 would no longer exist. And so, so there is, you know, there is some with that and like, and so there's a lot of things in play here and it's going to get very weird, but I am shocked by this move development because that is, I, do not understand why like i this makes no sense to me at all i don't it, it feels like it's 
uh, you're in high school and you have this girlfriend. She's the super hot girlfriend. And then somebody like she cheats on you with somebody. And so you go and kick the crap out of the guy who she cheated on you with. Like the problem isn't the guy. The problem is that the girlfriend who you thought was your girlfriend went and cheated on you. Like that's the problem is that she was willing to do it. Right. Like this feels really similar of like, Hey, ESPN F off. You can't do this, but no, it's the, it's the eight schools that are talking to ESPN. That's the real issue here. Big 12. You should really control yourself before you start yelling at the clouds, you know, like fix the hole in your roof before you complain to the clouds for raining and getting water on your floor. That, yeah. that, that feels like what we've done here with brother Bullsby. And this is another evidence of yes, the value of ESPN, like we talked about, but also maybe independence isn't that bad. Who knows no. where they're going to end up. And honestly, uh, if I'm the American, like maybe maybe that is the real move right is let's just ditch the big 12 okay big 12 just folds under itself we go to the sugar bowl we're the aac we say sugar bowl can we have all that big 12 bowl tie-ins we bring everybody but ou and in texas like you were gonna have anyways plus we bring all these other schools and mike oresco runs this ship yeah well and that's something because you could honestly maybe dump some of them like they'd be smart if they uh i don't know kick out baylor because that school can rot in hell um they you know and so if you are looking and say okay maybe the aac goes to 16 you take byu you already have those other brands like you take byu you take oklahoma state you take tcu and maybe you say you know what like lubbock is just too far we're not willing to do it the tech brand doesn't do it you know maybe Mike Oresco does get really creative and really aggressive on it and that does become a thing because then you're looking at i mean you're looking at part of these brands right so if, what i was saying of you know when you look at the kind of new six versus the remaining eight that's including like these new six are doing it with a fifth of the budget right like they're getting right. you know way less they're getting 30 million dollars a year not a fifth of the budget like half you know 30 million dollars a year less of tv money their facilities are worse like they have way less to sell on and they're still like on par with these other groups so when you say okay well yeah kansas basketball is great but maybe we don't care that much and right. And yep. we say like, we're going to go football first. We're going to take BYU. Like maybe BYU is a football only member and, you know, which can balance out because they already have Navy as a football only member. They're fine with that. And you kind of, you look at these options and say, okay, well, yeah, maybe we go to 16, we get five schools. Maybe they even go, I mean, fully cut through and say, uh, sorry, ECU. Um, you don't, you know, You're this done. thing, things are moving. You had a strong program in the past, but things are kind of struggling. You're kind of in the middle of nowhere you did have a strong program previously, but things are moving away from you now. And it's just like not that way anymore. And which kind of describes, you know, that also describes Texas tech and right. You, but you have, you know, Oklahoma state is, I mean, all of Oklahoma is in Oklahoma city. So it's like still waters, right. Is right. When I Oklahoma city got TCUs in Dallas, like, okay, that's cool. Then it's maybe you look at the Kansas schools and say, well, we take Kansas and Kansas state because and where Kansas State is a you know kind of a package with that because we want Kansas basketball and throwing BYU in there and we say well, now we're at 16 and yeah the next time that contract is up for renewal it's not there the Sugar Bowl is still going to need someone even if there's bulls at all right with this new 12 team playoff and how that fits in but it's still going to be the best league and so um you know so it's it is interesting to see kind of where this is going to go but I don't 
I, I do not understand the cease and desist at all. Yeah. Very strange. Very, very strange. What's not strange is, uh, and we have never given him a shout out on the podcast and he deserves it, but Corley Ward has been writing for us over at Cougar Sports Insider doing film breakdowns. Um, he's, he's looked at the offense. He's looked at the defense. He's done various parts of the offense and the defense. He's focused on individual players and scheme. He's done a ton of different breakdowns. He has film. He, he coaches, um, coaches with a bunch of, of smart coaches. He's a smart coach. So he breaks it down in a way that's really easy to understand. And he also is a writer. And he also can and can express himself very, very well so that it is easy for the non-football guru to understand the football scheme. He's got a great article that is uh, up on the front page of Cougar Sports Insider right now titled The Great Compromise. It's the BYU defense that or the, the defense that BYU fans crave. And he really highlights the 2019 Boise State game. When people talk about Elisa Tuiaki and his defensive scheme, so often people go back and they point to that game as the defense that they want to see. And Corley goes in and he shows really what that defense was in that game compared to other games and why it really wasn't that much different. And if you have said anything negative about Elisa Tuiaki, which is all of you, then you need to just read this. That I'm not telling you your opinion is going to change, nor am I saying that it should change, but this will enhance your opinion. How about that? It will make your opinion more educated. Corley Ward has done just phenomenal work over at Cougar Sports Insider. So I just wanted to say that people need to pay attention to Corley because he really does a great job. I agree 100%. And, you know, we haven't, Long, I guess not been defenders of Tuiaki, but uh, maybe calm the hell downers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, is that that's a, probably is that a that's good, probably accurate, right? And so it's, I mean, it's you know he's not Brent Venables, but no one besides Brent Venables is right. right? And so it's um, what he does. What I what I really enjoy and appreciate is that Corley does a good job of highlighting what I think some of Tuiaki sees when it's on, when he's watching the film and he highlights the deficiencies of the individuals and not to throw them under the bus or put them down, but to really illustrate what it is that BYU was working with and maybe help bring us into the head of Elisa Tuiaki a little bit and, and help us understand why he's making the decisions that he's making. That doesn't mean we have to agree with the decisions necessarily, but if, I think if you understand the thought process of anything, then it makes the outcome a lot more understandable and maybe it does change your opinion. Uh, so yeah, people got to check it out. He does a good job. He's going to do stuff for us throughout the year. Uh, really great, great, great series of interviews uh, of articles, rather great series of articles and breakdowns. Yeah. Um, and I, he has done a couple. And so those are over at Cougar's Burns. Like you said, this isn't the first one that he's done, but I think it's the best no, one. He's done. It's the, it's the best uh, yeah, one that he has done. Um, He's got another one that's up there about uh, Harris Lachance and Blake Freeland just highlights them. There's like 15 different clips of, of those two. And he, he makes the claim and it's hard to dispute that those are the two most important players for BYU this year. Going into camp, Harris Lachance, Blake Freeland. I probably agree. Like those two have the potential to be really good bookends on the offensive line behind them. There's not much. No. And it's, if they get hurt, things are going to be a struggle. 
and uh, things are going to be a struggle and we're going to see um, a lot of quarterbacks running around for their life. And that's not something that's ever going to be conducive to scoring points. Um, so um, to do what on next one. Okay. So sorry. The, this has been all over the place. Uh, I'm trying to actually, I'm getting bombarded with questions in my actual job as, as we record this, um, trying to, we do have, please subscribe to give them help Rickham. So we don't have to have actual jobs. Yes. If this becomes our job, you know, then that would not be the worst thing in the world. Um, yeah. So fall camp starts next week and kind of what are we looking at? I think we kind of already established that it's going to be Jaron Hall is going to trot out and be QB one against Arizona. Um, we mentioned, we just talked about Blake Freeling and Harris Lachance and what they need to do. Um, and what else are we looking at in fall camp that we want to see or want to hear? I, you know, I really am anxious to see the defensive line. Uh, there's just a lot of bodies there and I'm anxious to see one, what it looks like with Preston Hadley kind of at the helm. I'm anxious to see what Preston Hadley's role is, if it looks different or the same or what it looks like. Um, I'm, I'm really anxious to see how the wide receiver room sorts itself out. Neil Pau is, is just criminally underrated by fans. And if he ends up being wide receiver two behind gunner, it wouldn't be surprising to me at all, but I think that would be very surprising to a lot of people. And it probably shouldn't be like Pau can play. Um, and then also I'm anxious to see what, what this is going to look like from a COVID standpoint. We've seen some players this week that have talked about it, that the school, so Brigham Young is not mandating vaccines, but it sounds like Caleb Christensen had a tweet that led me to believe that players will be held out of practice and games if they don't get the vaccine. And I don't, I'm not here to tell you whether or not it's the right call or the wrong call. It's the right call, but I, I'm really curious to see how COVID plays a role throughout the year this year, because it's still going to play a role. They, like I know, there are still baseball games getting canceled, right? Right, like it's I, still here. I know other conferences. They mentioned like they're not rescheduling games. Like if you cannot play because of COVID, you are forfeiting. And I don't know what right. they will do if both teams have a positive. If it's just like a no, they probably just a no contest. Um, so they're saying we're not messing around. We don't need to do this, um, you know. And it's there are if you are listening to this and you have not gotten vaccinated, unless you have some other medical issues, the vaccine works. It's a real, it's a modern medical miracle. Um, and if you are listening to this and, uh, you are a believing member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which I assume most of us are, uh, the president of the church in both his professional medical and, uh, professional pastoral opinion called it a godsend and a miracle and an answer to the, uh, worldwide fast from last year. And so if, yeah, like it really is, you know, whatever you want to say about like, I mean, obviously I think the idea of past I think the idea of vaccine passports are stupid, whatever, but it's, if you want to go do this and you want to play and you are young and healthy, like it is just go get it. Like, it's not, if you are a player that's like hell bent on not doing it because for whatever reason, then, uh, you can go look at the data. It's very clear that it is effective and safe. And you're not only going to be hurting yourself, you're going to be hurting your teammates and it's not beyond. And really it's going to be beyond what the disease will do to you, right? Because if you're young and healthy, 
is that you're very low risk, but if you get it, they're still going to hold you out. And so, so you don't spread it. And then you're costing like, you know, you got to, how would you feel if you're Caleb Christensen and you didn't get it? And then you got sick and it's like, Oh, well forfeit. Holy war. Can't play Utah this year. Sorry. Game got canceled on Thursday afternoon. Right. Like that's a, yeah. you know, it's, it just sucks, man. It, it, I I'm at the same point. I mean, I, I was vaccinated a long time ago. If they say I need a booster, I'll do it tomorrow. Uh, it, it just doesn't bother me, but I get it. it. It bothers some people and there's some, some reluctancy there. I understand. Um, for me, and maybe this is a short-sighted view, um, and that my and maybe a signal that my priorities are in are very wrong order. But it was like wearing a mask last year; like it bothered me. I hated it. But if wearing a mask is what it took to have a football season, I'm going to put a mask on because I want to watch football. And that's kind of where I'm at with the vaccine now, folks. Like if none of anything else that anybody has said, like, I'm not going to be able to change your mind about the vaccine. And I don't want to, I'm not here to change your mind, but let football change your mind. Football, the greater good of football is at stake. If you want football, this might be what we have to do. And that sucks. We could say that that's open, whatever the cost is football. Is that really a cost we're willing to pay football? I mean, outside of like my family and my faith, I think football is right there at number three. I, I give up work. I, you know, I skip work, I, whatever, to watch football. I pay a whole lot of my finances to watch football. Football's probably number three for me. Family, faith, football. And so football, please, let's just, whatever we got to do. If they tell us that we all have to, wear purple shirts to go to the game, then let's just do it. If that's what it takes to get football, we'll do it for football. Always do it for football. Um, we last parting thoughts before we go. Uh, who is your favorite of the um, conference realignment hashtag Twitter hashtag sources? Oh, uh, I'm an HMHV guy. I have been for a long time. Um, I've been mocking him for years. What about, so him versus the dude of West Virginia, the dude had so much arrogance. It's hard for me to, uh, even sarcastically take him serious. Cause he's just kind of a dick to people, but MH veer, the dude just goes and like, he doesn't care what people say. And I respect that, but also it is mind boggling to me how so many people can reply to his stuff and he openly mock him and he just keeps plugging away. I, there was a thread on the the West Virginia 24 seven board that it was screenshots of somebody within the West Virginia athletic department and a conversation that they were having with obviously MH Veer. And it was like, Oh my gosh, thank you. Gordon G president of West Virginia. I appreciate this information. I'm going to immediately go and tell MH Veer. And then it's just like, it kind of shed a light on how like ridiculous his shtick really is that somehow he is getting all of this real-time information out of the big 12 media meetings that all these ADs and presidents get out of this meeting and they immediately call MH Veer of all people and his 4,000 Twitter followers. Like that, that guy's persistence. He, so he's won me over. He, 
his persistence. And right now he's currently leaning into the notion that supposedly Oklahoma State and West Virginia are going to be following <laughs> Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. If, oh, yes. if, West, if West Virginia doesn't get the ACC invite, which if the ACC expands and Notre Dame says no, and they really want to get to 16, they should take West Virginia and Cincinnati and basically just complete the Big East ACC merger and everyone will be happy. But they... Yeah, that's he is ridiculous. And I also just realized as you were calling him MHV or two that I like I've also read it that way. But I think it's is it MHV or three or is it MH version three? And whoever MH is, and maybe that's his initials, we can hunt him down because there's that could be there can't be that many guys who root for West Virginia with the initials MH. There's only like seven West Virginia fans in general. So you still follow him? Uh, Even that like his account's locked. You still follow him? I he, every one, time he goes public, I get to enjoy the tweets, but then he locks them down again. So I follow him and the dude of West Virginia, but have them both muted so I can mm. since they lock their account, so I can check in on them from time to time to see what they're spewing. Um, I and, can't in good conscience follow him. It feels like it's validation too much. It's true. Um, we need so to follow him from they, the podcast. Did, did you ever Absolutely. see? Did you ever see when they went back and forth? They had like a fight one time. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, fake and now, inside and information. even just twelve minutes ago, the dude of West Virginia was like, "Do I have to really warn you guys about MH Fear again?" But I'm dying to know what he's tweeting because apparently MH Fear blocked him. So wow. it's also weird to me that the only two people around all of this, I mean, it's like, it's two West Virginia fans. Like, there's nobody in Texas is saying this, right? Like, there's nobody. Uh, like it's no one from any other school, like no Baylor guy, no Texas TCU guy. It's just like, it's, Oh, it's these two guys in West Virginia. They're the ones they know everything ah, They're They're it. That moonshine runs deep. And I, some days I want what they're having. Me too, man. Every day. It's been a good show. It has been a good show. Um, if, Again, check us out. Um, check out our interview, the bonus episode with Ron Barker. You all really enjoy it. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway that we had is, um, well, obviously, it's like no matter what athletic directors do, it's the university presents that matter, right? And that's what Larry Scott, he got the university presence to like him. So even though all the ADs hated him, it didn't matter because the university presence are the ones who ultimately call the shots. And as early as like in the early 2000s, Steve Young was trying to get BYU into the Pac-12. Um, I did Which ask- is amazing. Well, it is amazing. And I did ask him because, you know, there have been rumors around like, you know, that the Pac-10 was close to expanding with, you know, going to 12 in the 90s and like BYU and Colorado were on there, whatever. And, you know, and that was, you know, that was something he said, no, like he's like, there was discussions about it because the Pac-12 did do a feasibility study in terms of in like kind of who would targets be, Um and so it's like they kind of had stuff on everyone. They've talked to everyone similar to, similar to what the Big 12 did in 2016. The Pac-10 did in the 90s, and they talked to a ton of schools and got everything. And uh, But it was never really that close to happening. And he, uh, he didn't say who, but suddenly said the schools that may be against it uh, are not who you'd think. And so against BYU. And so he didn't name same who, um, but that was something that was interesting to me. So I think there's... I mean, it's probably Utah probably being against it, but there's, you know, <laughs> so it, it was interesting. Uh, go listen to that interview. Come check us out at givemhelpbergham.com and check out Ron's book, The Reluctant Players. Um, if you search Ron Barker or The Reluctant Players on Amazon, it'll pop right up. I think it's $5 for the ebook or $10 for the Kindle version. And until next week, Jeff, give him hell. Give him hell.